Um, if you go to Luke 24, I just want to uh, begin by a question which Jesus asked to his disciples when he was risen from the dead. And you remember he stood in the midst of them in verse 36. Um, I mentioned it last time. And as, as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, said, Peace be unto you. And they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed they'd seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. And one of the things I've, I, I was saying that is so important for every Christian to understand is that when Christ rose, he rose in physical form. Uh, so, so often uh, people would like to say that Christ just rose as a spirit or he, he, you know, somehow his body was different. But he said, come on, handle me. See, but the thing I want to draw to your attention is Christ asked them a question: Why do thoughts arise in your hearts, and why are you troubled? Well, I think any of us would be troubled if we saw someone who bled and died, crucified before our eyes, taken off a cross, having been thrust through with a spear, taken down, put in a tomb, completely dead. I think it would trouble us if the next day we saw them. I think it would trouble us even more if suddenly they appeared in the midst, don't you? But I think what would trouble us more would be the implications of what we're seeing. Uh, one of the things the disciples had was a, a problem with their minds. See, if you see something and it totally contradicts what you expect, and if you see something and it really bugs you in your mind, you know, how could it be that he suddenly appears? How could it be that this one we saw die, we saw him yield up his spirit, we saw what the centurion did in thrusting a spear in his side, we saw the agony, we saw everything, and we know he was dead, and suddenly he's just there. I mean, that is spooky. Uh, for anyone, it's little wonder they were terrified, even though they knew him so well. They were terrified because it went outside of their experience. Uh, and it goes outside of every man's experience. And one of the things that's so important to understand is when everything's dark and everything's wrong, and when everything seems impossible, when the miraculous steps in, it is a thing that's quite frightening and disturbing. When God steps in, when Jesus steps in, it's not something that you expect and it's not something you can explain, and it's not something you're normally au fait with. And that is why a lot of people, when they start seeing miracles, they get afraid. When you mention the word miracle, that's an unexplained phenomena. People are a bit wary. What is this thing? How does it all work? And Christianity is based on miracle power. Christ rose from the dead. And troubles always come in people's minds. Time after time I've told you that 
the devil works between your ears. It's always in the mind. The conflict of anyone is in the mind. You've got to look at things and you see that in the mind, the conflict that comes up with culture, the conflict that comes up with the expectations. How many people know that things can go wrong? I mean, it's, you know, there's just things go wrong. Now, what you do with it in your mind is really where your conflict comes from. I mean, really, oppression's in the mind. All your fears are in your mind. All your questions are in your mind. Everything's ticking in your mind. You know, relationships are destroyed in the mind. Ideas that destroy are in the mind. How many people live in total fear because they get a pain in their body and before they've even got to the doctor, they've already ordered their coffin? Their mind convinces them. Something drastic. How, how many people get an idea? Fear plays tricks with you, doesn't it? And he, here's these disciples in an upper room and suddenly... Right in the middle of them appears Jesus. This one who they've seen die, they know he's dead. Man, it's obvious they thought it was a spirit. And it's obvious it troubled them. Now why on earth did Jesus ask, <laughs> why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your heart? Hey, didn't he know it wasn't an expectation? They didn't expect him there. And when he did turn up, it frightened them spitless. They just stood there. And they wondered. And life is a bit like that. You know, when God wants to intervene, he, he appears at the wrong time, in the wrong place, in the wrong manifestation, and suddenly he's there. Now, in our experience, he appears with words. It's very uncomfortable when the word of God, which divides between soul and spirit, gets inside. Very uncomfortable and suddenly God will step in. But Jesus always does. Here were the disciples who couldn't believe that he was risen. And so he came to show them it's true. He's alive. And in life, there's a lot of people that get into situations where in the end they give up hope. You know, to lose hope in life is a terrible thing. But people get in situations where they feel they can't get out of them. It's when you're most desperate that Jesus steps in. But he always steps in in a way, in a manner that you don't expect. And it's frightening when God can turn around and perceive things and do things and reveal things in an instant that you don't expect. And then he comes and he says, look, I'll prove I'm who I am. Go on, feel me, touch me. Give me something to eat. Now, that didn't answer their questions. I mean, whether he was real or not, I don't think was the biggest issue. The biggest issue was, what's it all about? I mean, how could they have seen him three days ago, dead? Or a few days it would have been by then. Dead. 
and, and now suddenly he's here. What stunts this? Now you've got to remember that at this point he hadn't opened their minds to the scriptures. He did. He began to explain to them. I know in John's gospel he breathed on them and opened their understanding. But their understanding wasn't sufficient that when he appeared they understood. And here's Jesus and I love the mystery. You know the Bible says great is the mystery of godliness. And I love a God who will do the unorthodox in a way that's totally and utterly mind-blowing. You imagine the disciples, let's go to another little story where the disciples have been told to go across the Lake of Galilee and a storm arises and suddenly they see Jesus walking on the water and he, he, he's going to pass them by. He's not even bothering to come and give them a hand. And they get all afraid and they... they Peter says, well, if it really is you. That, that really is the question, you know. If you want to know what the real question is, the real question in most people's heart, is it really you? Really. And that's the big question for all mankind. And when you have the answer to that, you have the answer to life. Is it really you? And Peter, he, he was so brazen, he said, okay, if it's really you, bid me come. When Jesus said come, he hopped out the boat and then he realized what he'd done. And he walked back to the ship with Jesus. He didn't get carried back. But it was, the question always is, is it? And you know, Jesus, one time he sat down and he said, well, to ask you. He said, I've got a little question to ask you. He said, who do men say that I am? I mean, if what you believe is really real, if God is God, and if he really died for your sins and took your sicknesses, and if he lives, and if he's alive, and if he's here, what's your problem? Why do you have all kind of negative things in your thoughts? Why do you have all the reasonings and doubtings and conflicts and things? What, what's wrong? Why do thoughts arise in your heart like that? Hey, aren't you confident in your God? You see, the real issue is only one, one thing, Jesus. He lives in me. He lives in you. But the real issue is never that. It's when things happen and when circumstances seem to kill everything off and all of a sudden a word of light comes, your only question is, is it real? If it's really you. When a storm of life comes and suddenly you see walking on the water one while you're getting tossed to and fro and there's someone who seems to be able to just glide through the midst of it and 
doesn't seem to be affecting him and, and he ignores you and he's going to walk right by you and just leave you where you are floundering and you suddenly think hey just a minute you know who is this is, is this a ghost or is this real or you come into a church and your life gets in, has got into a mess and you'd like to hide everything but you can't because haste Everyone knows what you really are because it's written all over your face. I mean, I mean, doesn't matter how you smile. Doesn't matter how you look. Everyone knows. Because it can't be hid. It's the way it is. That's why it says, we all behold with open face the glory of the Lord. Yeah, you can see. And then all of a sudden, right in the midst of the storm of life, someone's stepping forth, and then you've got to make up your mind, well, is it really God's time of intervention and then you suddenly realize it's passing and you think, well, I better do something. And only one of the twelve had the courage. The rest stayed in the boat. But the one who had the courage got Jesus back to the boat. His name was Peter. Everyone criticizes him for being impetuous, but I'll tell you this, he saved the disciples a lot of hard work. When he came in a boat, you know, the one who went out and stepped out, everyone criticizes him for sinking, but I want to tell you, he was the one. He walked back to the boat, and not only that, he walked on the water when no one else did in the midst of the storm, and when he got back to the boat, Jesus just rebuked the storm, didn't he? So the benefit that Peter gave to the rest was tremendous. People forget that. They forget the fact that someone who steps out and has the boldness benefits everyone else. They were petrified. Now Peter wasn't all that sure because he said, well, if it's really you, bid me come. And when Jesus said, come, and he stepped out. I, I'm sure he did it a bit gingerly, first of all. And then he probably got a bit bolder and a bit bolder. And suddenly, instead of keeping his eyes on Jesus, he decided to have a look round because he was so smart. He was walking on the water. And when he took his eyes off Jesus, he suddenly realized, I'm walking in the middle of a storm. <laughs> and down he started to go. But the beauty of it all was, Everyone was saved from the storm because of one. And he actually got Jesus back in the boat with them. Whereas he'd never have gone to the boat if they'd just ignored him. Life's like that. You know, things go wrong. And minds play tricks. And thoughts arise. And people say, you know, that, that is, I was talking to uh, a group at the uh, Bible college, one of the lectures, uh, and asked them a question, simple question. It was on politics, government and politics. I asked them a question. Simple question, can democracy work? Simple question to ask anyone. Can democracy work? Can it? Well, of course it can't. Because people make choices, but you can only make a valid choice on the right information. It's a nice idea. But in the end, if you can't get the facts and the true information, how can you make valid judgments?
And all of a sudden, in a life, suddenly truth appears. And it's frightening to start to face the reality of where things are. And all sorts of doubts. And when someone gets up and challenges things, they, they get afraid. Jesus comes. And all the values that seemed so right suddenly are so wrong. And when God begins to challenge a value, you've got to then say, hey, well, look, either I'm going to accept this thing, and it appears like a ghost has come in. Somehow, everything gets turned. That's why they complained about the disciples. They said, look, you've turned Jerusalem upside down with your teaching. You bet you have. You've turned everything upside down. And when Christians come along, truth it kind of turns things upside down. You know, there, there, there's things I wouldn't do. Just won't do. The reason I won't do them is because I, I know God's true. There's things I can't believe. Why? Because Jesus Christ is God. I know he lives in me. And really the whole battle is in the mind. The media is trying to get hold of your mind and convince you that right is wrong. And wrong is right. Trying to change everyone's values. And you know the only answer is miracle power. Because miracle power gives validity to the message you have. Jesus Christ came and the validity of everything was the miracles he did. And the validity of his life was three days after he was crucified, he rose again. And it said he was raised for our justification. The reality of it all is that I'm justified and I know that I can believe everything because he rose in bodily form. And everything I say is justified by what he did. He rose again. He's alive. We don't worship a dead God. We worship a living God. And everything, all the values he upheld are true. And they never can be taken away. And there's no way. I find Christians who, who want to say, oh yeah, but that's the Old Testament. You know, that's the, well, let me tell you, not one jot or tittle is going to pass from the law. There are principles in God that are there. And don't think because you're a Christian that you've somehow got a greater um, knowledge. We've got better promises. We've got a better hope. But God is God. And his principles are his principles. You know, a deep fog has come on people's minds. And what they need most of all is light. But when they see the light of God, they think they've seen an apparition. They think they're hearing from a ghost. And it makes them spooked. And when you say there's a God who heals, who delivers, there's a God who is truth and integrity and honesty, suddenly this is a spooky life. And suddenly you tell them, hey, you don't have to live the wrong way. You can live the right way. There's a God who heals. There's a God who delivers. You don't have to be bound by sin. You can be liberated from it. You don't have to be bound by bondages. Your whole life can be transformed in a second. There's a God who's mightier than every storm. 10,000 might fall at your side, but it's not coming near you. 
Everyone else might get it wrong, but you're going to be okay. And somehow you can walk on water when no one else can. If you ever thought there was a woman one day, she reached in and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And she was made whole. Have you ever wondered why Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? I'll tell you why. He turned around and asked her. Because he identified her, he isolated her, and he let everyone know that there was a secret she had found. It just took the touch of the hem of his garment, and she was made whole. And you find in Mark's gospel after that, it records that as many as touched him were healed. See, she opened a way for a lot of people to get healed. And one a method, it was faith. And there's a sense in which when one person actually accomplishes and when one person walks on water, it, it raises faith in everyone else. When one person really begins to believe, it, it suddenly the level of faith rises. Suddenly you know, hey, if it can happen to them, it can happen to me. And she began to walk up and down. It wasn't a few minutes before she was completely healed. You see, faith comes because someone else has reached in. I know because God met me. I know because of all the miracles I've seen. But you know, I had to walk the walk and live the life and find the way. It's not theory. I know. See, when the storms come, what are you going to do? You know, in ships, they batten down the hatches. They all kind of tie themselves to the nearest thing so they don't get swept overboard and they get really frightened of the whole thing. But they don't have the, the courage to stand up and say, hey. But faith laughs at the impossible. When everything seems to be contrary, Jesus is always there. You know, my God is the God of the impossible. With man it's impossible, with God all things are possible. And therefore he always turns up in the impossible situation to tell you it's possible. And no one believes it. They're sitting there with their unbelief. People sit and they think inside themselves. They don't say it out loud. But inside themselves it goes like this. Well, yeah, but you don't understand me. You don't understand the circumstance. You don't understand this disease. You don't understand this. And the situation overwhelms them. Everyone figures they have an excuse for failure. And that's a deadly disease. And tonight, I want to tell you what the word of God is. Why do those thoughts arise in your heart? I mean, why do you think so negative? What's wrong with you? If God be God, what's your problem? <laughs> His promises are true. 
He cannot lie. 2,000 years ago, he dealt with your sin. He dealt with the power of it. He dealt with the penalty of it. What's your problem? You can step out of your bondage into freedom. The only thing that stops you is your mind that tells you, first of all, that you're condemned. Not that God's condemn you, you condemn yourself. You've got a hundred reasons uh, that are very logical and true. Hey, every one of those disciples in the upper room had fled. They left him. In the greatest hour of his need, they run for it. It was just John standing there and Mary, his mother. The rest had gone. Dear old Peter had denied him three times. So for him to appear, I mean, there was guilt in every one of them. But he didn't charge them with guilt, did he? He didn't charge them with condemnation. I tell you, there were a few thoughts arising in their heart, like, I hope he didn't know that really what I'd done, even though they knew he did. And there's a lot of things come up in people's minds that stop them from responding to God out of sheer guilt. There's things you know about yourself that you think no one else knows. That'll stop you responding to Christ when he comes and he walks in your storm. Rather than ask him to come in your boat you duck your head and hope he carries on walking. You'd rather he didn't get involved in the situation because you feel too bad about it. And so Jesus would ask, why do those thoughts arise in your heart? I, I, I think Thomas, he was sitting there, you know, and he'd say, well, except I put my hand in his side and stick my finger in the holes, I'm not going to believe in the nail prints. And all of a sudden, Jesus is there. Man. And every one of them has got their own personal reasons for wishing he wasn't. And so he asked, why do those thoughts arise in your heart? It's me. Hey. I'm alive. See? The only question was, was he living or was he dead? Was he spirit or was he real? He didn't deal with the other thoughts. Because he didn't need to. God's never really wanting to deal with the things we think are important. You know the only issue ever with God is who he is. He's your redeemer. He's your savior. He's the one who loves you. That's the only issue. It's nothing to do with what you've done. That was dealt with at Calvary. So for Jesus, it's no problem. You have the problem, not him. And the trouble is, you carry that problem, and instead of realizing that that's something that was dealt with 2,000 years ago, it's a done deal. I mean, forget it. You can't change yesterday. You can live different today. You can have a glorious future. But hey, what, what do you feel condemned for, silly? Why do you hide? You've got the nature of Adam. You hear the voice of God and you run. 
But the one who can help you is God himself. What folly. Why do those thoughts arise in your heart? What a question to ask them. Don't know if you've ever thought about what they were thinking. Peter, I'm sure the moment Jesus said that, he could in his mind hear the cock crowing. In his imagination, it went back to when he swore and denied he ever knew him. He remembered what Jesus had said to them before the cock crow. Twice you're going to deny me thrice. And here all of a sudden, he fled then. And all of a sudden, this Jesus is here. And all he can hear when he sees Jesus and you know, first of all, he, he, he thinks it's a spirit, but then he knows better, you know, he says, handle me. And the last thing he wants to do is go up and touch him because, hey, all he can think about is what he did when he denied him. And all Thomas can think about is what he said. And all the disciples, they think, you know, I should never have fled. Look, it wasn't the end at Calvary. He's here. And here he is, stretching out his hand, and he's saying, come on, touch me, feel me, see. And all they're thinking about is, we ran. We hid. We were afraid. We thought it was all, they were thinking all that, and he was saying, why do such thoughts arise in your heart? What's your problem? And when you come and you start preaching the gospel, especially to Christians who've got their lives in a mess or get tangled up in the wrong things, I tell you, they end up, instead of getting the solution to their problem, they go into darkness. They spend more time talking with other people about problems than they do getting their life sorted out. And they run from the very one who can cause life to flow. It's crazy. If you had a disease, and you know there was only one cure for it, and there was only one person with that cure, but it was 100% certain that if you went to that person, you'd be cured... Would you go there? Well, would you? Just a sickness. And he had the absolute remedy. 100% certain. Would you go? And here we have a savior. 100% guaranteed. Everything's a done deal. And people hide from him. And then Jesus asked them a question. Why does the thought arise in your heart? What, what's your problem? What is your problem? Well, I want to ask you on God's behalf. What's your problem? What's wrong? I mean, if God be God, and Jesus is who he says he is, and he really did take all your sin, and he really did take all your diseases, and he said there's going to be health flowing, life flowing, what's your problem? It's only in your mind. It's called guilt. Fear. Adam and Eve, when they hid in the garden, I mean, a stupid thing to hide from the creator of heaven and earth, who's everywhere anyway. And they were hiding in the garden, and they'd got a few fig leaves. 
<laughs> and, and, you know, where are you? Oh, we, we, we were afraid. That's the gospel, good news. He is who he is. He's not a spirit, he's not a myth. He's not someone afar off, he's right here. He's not come to condemn you, he loves you. Not come to accuse you. He's come to heal you, deliver you, make you whole, what's your problem? Why do thoughts arise in your heart? You've got a problem. He's the answer. Simple as that. You know, if more people spent time coming to Christ instead of gossiping, how God took away guilt. I'm not ashamed of him. He did everything. I'm not ashamed of him. You know, half the problem in life is, is people won't face up to their minds. That's why they... Go out and get drunk. That's why they go out and they, they mess up their lives and, and they, they live for fantasy. I don't live in reality. You know why people go off on expensive holidays? Because they can't live with themselves. You know why they buy fancy things? You know, because they can't live with themselves. God wants us to be normal. God wants us to be whole. God wants us to come out of fear, out of all torment. Hey, you know, you've got to learn to love yourself. God made you. God forgives you. It's about time you looked in the mirror and said, if God forgives me, I can forgive myself. You know why people are crummy with other people? Because they're crummy with themselves inside. You know why people live in darkness? And they always want to slide up and pour some filth in your ear? Because they've they got it all inside. They can't cope with themselves. God's a good God. Life's wonderful. Hey, uh, I'm glad to be alive. People give up on life. And do you know why? Because their whole image is of death. You can think yourself into death. You can think yourself out of life. Terrible. Jesus came to give me life and life more abundant. Jesus Christ has come to give us life and life more abundant. And our life is a spiritual life. Keeps us alive, keeps us with hope, keeps us with reality. We don't live with guilt, we live with joy. We don't live with fear, we live with, with a future. We don't live Looking back, we live looking forward. Ah, it's wonderful. Our God is good. And everything about life is good. And Jesus asked people, he said, why do the thoughts arise in your heart? You know, the disciples had a real query about what their future was going to be. <laughs> and all of a sudden he's there. Well, you know, it was wonderful, those miracles, the days. I remember when we went out, he sent the 12 of us out, and then the 70 went out, and oh, we came back, we were so happy. Sick were healed, multitudes were coming, 
and now look what's happened and he was hung on the cross and he's dead and he's gone and now you come and tell us you saw him you've got to be kidding he's, he's gone he's dead I saw him die I saw the centurion thrust in the spear I, I know and all of a sudden he's there I want to tell you this weekend can be the weekend for you where God steps into the picture and everything changes. There's only one thing you have to do. You have to let your little mind stop. Stop feeling so sorry for yourself. Life's good. The prospects are good. God is good. Amen? And we have a future. It's a wonderful life. Jesus came to give me life and life more abundant. So why do the thoughts arise in your heart? I'll tell you why. Because you're stupid. Because if you were smart, you'd look at Jesus and you'd say, Hey, glory to God. He's wonderful. Amen. And you look at the things that are wrong and you say, well, my God is able. You know, things change, times change. God moves us on. I look at it and I think, well, of all the things I'd like to do, when I was young, I remember very young, I watched a a thing called um, program on television called 77 Sunset Strip how many people can remember that the old ones you see do you remember that those were in the days when and you know I, I, I looked and I thought one day I'd like to go there just to see and I remember watching Hawaii Five-0 and, and all these people paddling and going on the uh, surfing and stuff. And I thought one day, and, and when you've been there, you wonder why you ever wanted to go. I mean, you know, and, and I thought, I, I, I saw some of these films of the beautiful fish and people going down... Uh, and, and snorkeling and, and going down amongst them and then when I finally did it and I looked at them all and I thought it was so beautiful until I saw an 18 foot hammerhead shark beneath me and the beauty vanished and I learned to walk on water <laughs> and I got back to that boat so quick I remember looking through the glass bottom of the boat uh, and, you know, thinking, sucker, you missed me. I was out in the water then. But I tell you, it's all sorts of things. People live for dreams. But you know the best dream of all? is when you wake up and you see he's real. And you realize you don't need the dream of myth. You need the life of reality. And in the midst of life, everything can be wonderful. In the midst of a storm, he's always there. And, hey, your trust is in him. That's what it's about. Does it mean nothing will ever go wrong? Well, you get the odd little storm. But it's like a storm in a teacup. It comes to pass. And you see the bigger picture. That's wonderful. My God is good. He hasn't come to condemn you. He loves you. He's come to set you free. More and more I'm seeing that's all people need. Why don't you in the morning get up and say, Hey, 
I'm not as bad as all that. God loves me. And he has great taste. Why don't you say to yourself, you know, really, God needs me. That's why he saved me. He really does. He chose me. He called me. Change your life if you'd start believing it. And when all kinds of negatives come into your mind, listen to Jesus. He said, why do those thoughts arise in your heart? And then find the reason for it and put them out. It's time to live. He's good. Very good. Let's pray. just pray for each one here Lord you know every need and Lord for all those that have phoned in and written in Lord I just lift them to you now I thank you you always come in the midst of everything Lord I pray you'll send forth your healing word and Lord I pray for each one here Lord that you'll settle troubled minds Lord, you'll speak peace into the storm. Lord, that you'll come with your life-giving flow. Let us know, each one, the goodness of God. And Lord, let us realize the abundant life you've come to give us. And let us walk in it, I pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hey, God's on your side.